glad that all of you are here and thankful for all of you that have, have been logging on and joining us online. We've been talking, talks last Wednesday about disciplines and you know, it is not a popular subject. It's not a, it's a subject that sometimes people will say, well, I never hear you preach about and they go through a, a litany, a list of things that they have not heard. And yet, uh, many of these disciplines, I guess, <clears throat> were, if you, for lack of a better term, common sense. And I know, I hate to, to say on Wednesday night, because I would venture to say that most of you have these disciplines to be here on Wednesday night because it takes discipline to say, I'm gonna be in the house of the Lord. And especially in a society in America, and I read the statistics like everyone else, where fewer and fewer individuals are going to church, fewer and fewer individuals, uh, they don't wanna to go to church uh, you know, two times a week, much less three times a week much less four times a week, much less whatever. And I understand the crunch that uh, <coughs> pastors feel. Uh, you know, it takes uh, X amount of dollars to turn on the lights and the air and the heat and the whatever for the building. And then if you don't have a crowd, you, uh, you go, wow, it's demoralizing. And you feel like, well, why did I study? Why did I turn it all on? And unfortunately, it's not one of those things that, um, you know, cost-effective ratios. You can't always dollar and cents put it to it. But what happens is we believe the Lord will supply our need, and he has, and he has been, and I appreciate your giving and your faithfulness, and I can go through all of that, and I, this is not a, a prelim for an offering. It's uh, just the fact of people being disciplined, and I don't have time, uh, I'm busy, my life, uh, the kids, the grandkids, the <coughs> garage, the uh, you name it, and I have stuff to do. And every one of us can find things to do. And every one of us can say, well, I've got something else I could be doing. And man, that's, uh, you know, you have to clean up and go and whatever, and here we are, and, and uh, oh, I... I, I'll just, you know, I, I've got this to do. And yet on Wednesday night, here we are studying the word. So I realize that in many senses of the word, I'm preaching to the choir, those that are even willing to be online, those that are willing to watch on a Wednesday night is not your normal crowd. But I started last week and I kind of was wrapping up some thoughts and I talked about EMDR, <clears throat> that eye movement, uh, dis desensitization and reprocessing and trying to work on the mind. And I, I mentioned, you know, because I had talked and spoken a few weeks before that on the carnal mind and the spiritual mind and how that a thought becomes a consideration, a consideration, an attitude, an attitude leads to action, action leads to a habit, a habit becomes a stronghold. And yet we know that that the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. The Holy Ghost's job is to discipline us. And you have to recognize that, that in reality, the, you know, we know all of Acts and Romans and, and all of those. In fact, really, the entire New Testament was written more for saints than it was sinners. Now, we realize the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about the life of Christ, and Acts is the history book for the church. But the rest, from Romans all the way to Revelation, was written specifically to either 
people that were believers or churches that were believers or whatever. And so when you look at the New Testament, it is about people that have received the Holy Ghost and Titus was one and Paul writes to him and says that the grace of God that brings salvation is wants to kind of clean the vessel up. Because we know that the Bible says that the Lord does not want to dwell in an unclean temple. And I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going home to your house tonight with a white glove to give your house a white glove test. But we've all, you know, probably found ourselves, you know, that we can, you know, maybe live in clutter or live in this or, you know, I don't maybe dust the baseboards every day and I don't do all these things that, you know, maybe a cleaner does. But at some point I reach the point where I say, oh, I can't take it anymore. I got to clean this up. I've got to straighten this up. I've just let it go too long. What Whatever it is. Well, the truth of the matter is that the Holy Ghost operates and it wants a clean vessel. It does not want uh, an impure vessel. And so that's what the Holy Ghost is all about. And so we, I, I, I talked about how faith was that sense of getting in harmony with the will of God. And so recognizing that when we realize that the Bible says, by faith Noah obeyed. And by faith Noah, Moses stretched his arms out. And, and he did some of these things by faith. So unbelief, technically, is that when your will is in opposition to God's will. That is really unbelief, you know. And we realize that from parenting and grandparenting when a child when you tell a child uh, do XYZ and they don't do it then in reality they're in opposition to your will they're disobeying they're not following through with what you ask and so they don't believe either that you're going to take some action and that's when you say their name in a staccato voice, you know, the full name. You remember that staccato voice? You know, when my mother would say, Gerald Keith Showstrand, I knew there was action. Something was, it had reached the boiling point. When I got my full name, I knew because, you know, it didn't happen that way. And, and so all of a sudden, now, if there's no one around, what I can fool myself into saying and or believing is that it really won't matter. Well, God's nice. He doesn't care. He wants me to be happy. He likes me and he's a forgiving God and he, and he goes through and you can go through all of that. But the question becomes, and I, I didn't put this slide in there last week, but the, the question is, why didn't God simply deliver Noah? Why didn't God say, okay, Noah, I'm going to take you and those animals and move them into the Swiss Alps and leave you there for a month, and then I'm going to zap you back over when the flood's gone? When the Lord spoke to Noah and said, basically, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world by flood. And I mentioned this last week and it had never rained. What was he wanting to see from Noah? Faith. Do you believe? And how am I going to know you believe? You get up. Now, they didn't have 84 lumber or Lowe's or Home Depot. But you get your guys out there and you go down and you start cross-cutting a tree and you fell that tree and then you, huh? And all because the Lord said, build an ark. 
And I know, and I, I remember the skit. I remember it because we had records of it, you know, that Bill Cosby did about Noah, and maybe y'all remember that, you know. <clears throat> that skit that he used to do about Noah, and here he is, and, and uh, sawing and building an ark, and how ridiculous that looks, and how, you know, a boat, and how foolish, and everybody coming by, and ha, 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 and isn't that funny? And, but imagine how that was. You talk about faith, and you work on it today, and you get up, and what are you going to do tomorrow? Well, what do you got going, Noah? Well, I'm working on the ark. Working on the ark? How foolish. What's an ark? <laughs> I'm working on it. I, 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 here it is, by faith. I'm doing this. So why, why build an ark? Now, I know we've got just down from us, down south of Cincinnati, the replica of the ark. And so I, I don't know how they put that together. My guess is they use cranes and they use more than one man and his three sons. Amen. My guess is it was put together with, they didn't cut the trees and hew them out. My guess is they ordered lumber from somebody. Huh? And yet, this man did that. So why, why didn't the Lord just simply, when he said, okay, it's enough, Pharaoh, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to move the children of Israel back up into the promised land. and get." Why didn't the Lord just do that immediately? Why did the Lord give them manna and it was on the ground and they had to bend over every day? Huh? Well, you know, deliver a loaf of bread. Don't put it in where I got to go out and pick it up. Don't put it out there where I got to bend over every day. And yet the Bible says he did it to humble them and to make them know to depend on the Lord. And so sometimes when people ask, you know, why did Moses have a rod and all of this? Why? And you can go through all of those stories. Gideon, the angel visits Gideon. He's hiding and grinding meal in his hand. And why did he say, get a trumpet and a pitcher and light a candle? Why not just say, ta-da? Because it's requiring something from us, and that's an element of faith, an element of obedience, and an element of action. So, you know, when we know the first miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine, why did the servants, the Bible is very specific, that he tells the servants, go fill up these water bottles. Why didn't the Lord just say, boom, wine, boom? He required somebody to participate in what he was doing. This is why it, it, ought to, it ought to excite us why the Lord used the little boy in his lunch. You know, and, and so why did the Lord say to the blind man, go wash? In all of these instances, God was trying to get people to align their will With his will. I, I you know, I, I don't really want to do that. I, I you know, I, I would like for the Lord just to deliver bread to me. And we're living in a society in an hour where I don't want to have to, I, I, I just want it. If, if the Lord will allow me, I, I, I will, you know, but it's got to be my way. And consequently, when I have that kind of, of attitude, basically, I am not using faith. Because faith is when you don't have 
any evidence. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The evidence, that, that, that evidence of that. What are you saying? The, how is it the evidence? It is that I'm still doing it. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, what I know to do, even though I haven't seen the result. I keep praying. I keep reading. I keep believing. I keep fasting. I keep doing what I know to do. I keep going to the house of the Lord. I keep worshiping. Why are you doing that? Because I'm doing it by faith. I'm doing it by faith. I know I prayed once. I prayed twice. Well, I don't think you should have to pray anymore. Okay, well, manna, don't pick it up, but one day. Uh, unfortunately, all of these things show us how we have to get our mind and our thoughts aligned with the Lord. And, and that's where that first thing, and I know I, I spent last week on it and some of the weeks before talking about, you know, knew, when they knew God, they weren't thankful and how that we are supposed to present our bodies a living sacrifice and how do we transform our bodies? By starting in the mind, by the renewing of the mind where you can prove the, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of the Lord. And I, I mentioned these verses last week. Romans 8th chapter says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For the carnal mind is an enemy, enmity in the King James, an enemy of the Lord. It's not subject to the law of God. And so when you find yourself feeling like I just don't want to do that I know I know I don't want to do that and I've had I've had folks say well I know pastor if I ask you 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 would tell me what to do and I didn't want to hear it and I say well you know the Bible says something about that he that knoweth to do and doesn't do it it's like it's sin to you why because it then becomes your flesh. And that's where the disciplines are. And, and it's the vanity of our mind. And it becomes our mind is very vain. And our understanding can get darkened. And then people get past feeling. And they, they give themselves over to all sorts of things. And we, we see in our, our entire society a, a society that has lost all sense of, uh, of, of feeling, of, of almost kindness, of all, you know, a sense of, you know, what is right. I, I know I, I get amazed and I read one report after another and I, and, and whether you want to say it's the right or it's the left or it's the, but all of a sudden we're not, we're, we're not exemplifying the disciplines of being a Christian. And, and people say, well, I can't be nice to them because they'll take advantage of me. I didn't say you have to let them take advantage of, of an individual, but at the same time, we're supposed to be like Jesus. And in this hour, what a time for us to let our light shine. It's dark, folks. I, I read an article today where, where Amazon was and Amazon was being chided by some lawmaker for selling products on their website, Blue Lives Murder, and using it as a protest for cops. And I. I don't, I don't know. And then, you know, I, I read where, you know, Fauci, they found emails from the Freedom of Information Act that said that, you know, he was, had said, well, masks aren't really worth wearing back in February or January or whenever it was. He made the statement, masks don't, won't protect you any. 
But then he would get on air publicly and say masks are important, but yet he was sending something else. And everybody just, you can feel the anger. And the frustration and the, you know, the angst. Is it, are we mad because they are good or are we mad because they aren't good and we've had to shut down businesses and we're just mad. Let's just pick a card, whatever card you want, it's going to be I'm mad card. And that's the hour we're living in. It doesn't matter which side you're on. I'm just mad. And all of a sudden, here we are in a, you know, the Lord's filled us with His Spirit. And here we are. We, we need to be renewed. Where? In the spirit of our mind. And say, Lord, well, you know, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, I, I don't, you know, I, I better not read that article because that's going to make me mad. I better not listen to that. That's going to make me mad. And so, you know, basically now just watch Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> then I find out that spinach is really not that good, so now I'm mad about that. I don't know. And, and so Paul told Titus, he said, be careful, there will be people that will try to get you out of the faith. And if there was ever an hour that is attacking our faith of aligning ourselves with God, this is the hour. And Paul told them, you know, he said, I, I want to try to walk with, as an example, but remember there are those who are enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. What are you saying? And so in an hour where we are focused on earthly things and everything, we have to all of a sudden take a break. And that's where in the Word, read the Word, Pray the word, worship, tune in, come to the house of the Lord, raise your hands, get something, early morning prayer, whatever it might be. I want to get my mind off of what's going on here and set it on something over there because I want my mind to get washed and cleansed just for a moment, <laughs> just for an hour. You say, well, where I work, that's why the, Paul told him, you know, told Timothy, Lord, not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. And so here we are in this hour, and James starts in by saying, who is the man that endured, notice that, uh, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. And then he said, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Lie not against the truth. And, and you know, the bitter envying is... is what are they doing? You know, how, who are they letting tell us what's going on? What's the back agenda? You know, from one conspiracy theory to another, now all of a sudden they say, well, it could have been the virus from the Wuhan lab. We don't know for sure. And everybody's going, yeah, we told you that however long ago. But nobody wanted to hear that. Now, it's, and so now everybody's mad. Those that say it wasn't, those that say it was, and those that didn't try, and those that... So all of these things just do nothing but stir up the nation. And you say, well, I, I, I thought we were going to be through with it. I thought it was going to be over and done with. 
And then, you know, we get a prayer request for Brother Clark or somebody else who's got COVID or, you know, you, my wife goes to the urgent care and the first thing they want is to do a COVID test and you're like, man, I... Strife, bitter envying. He said, where there's confusion, are we in a confusion? Is our nation confused? Are, are politicians confused? I mean, but what is the wisdom from above? Pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that that's why we have to press our way into the rest and into the presence of Almighty God and let the peace of God begin to flood our hearts and minds. And it takes discipline to do that. It takes getting in and saying, I'm going to block everything off. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to listen to the word. I'm going to, I'm going to worship. I'm going to put on a song and sing, you know, whatever song it is. It's all in him. It's all in him. Full mighty God is Jesus. It's all in I'm going to quote Psalms 23, Psalms 22, Psalms 24, Psalms 51. What are you doing? I understand that this whole world is churning and chaotic. But the disciplines that the church has to have now is how to pull out of that for a moment and to step in heavenly places and let the presence of the Lord wash your heart and your mind and your emotions. And you cannot, you say, well, I just don't have time to do that. I don't have time. I'm just so busy. I don't have patience. I don't feel like, are you going to build this ark? Or do you want the Lord to just, I want the Lord to just say, here's a boat. I don't want to have to get out there and cut trees every day. I don't want to have to pick up the word and read it when I start getting overwhelmed. I don't want to have to stop and say, I just need to pray through. <laughs> I just saw a blurb on my phone and I'm getting mad thinking about it. Huh? I don't want to have to do that. I want to just, I want to just say, get them. I want to tell you something. The Lord's going to get them. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You don't have to worry. He's going to get them. I don't have to, I'm going to go get him. I'll knock him. You don't have to go get him. He's going to get him. <laughs> All I need to do is rest in his peace and in his comfort and in his spirit. And sometimes, you know, when I'm going through something, when I'm suffering, Pain, frustration, emotional pain, physical pain, whatever it might be. My first questions are why me and it's not fair and why did that, Lord, why did Fauci get away with that? And why did this happen and why did that happen and why? I don't need to, you know what? I'm not to worry about the why. It's not mine to figure out the why. David said for suffering in Psalms 119, he said, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hath afflicted me. What do you mean? Lord, whatever I'm feeling, whatever angst, whatever emotional pain, whatever I've suffered, whatever trauma, I understand 
you know, eye movement and disassociative and being able to try to reprogram the mind. I'm going to tell you the best way I know how to reprogram your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, is to get a brain transplant. It's the only way I know. And it's not easy. It's not easy to get a brain transplant. I don't, I don't, you know, my mind gets carnal all of a sudden. In, in Thessalonians it says, in everything give what? Thanks. I don't, when I see the report, when I hear the thing, my first response is not to say, well, thank you, Jesus. Huh? My first response is to be carnal. And yet, four questions you need to ask yourself whenever you have a thought, when you want to do something, you say, well, is it from God or is it from me? Ask yourself these four questions. Number one, whose glory is it going to seek? Is it for my glory? Is it going to benefit me or is it going to give glory to God? So I have to say when I, I read this report, Lord, I... If you want this to come out, let it come out. Let it expose it all for your glory, Lord. I know you're in charge. Is this for or against the knowledge of God? If it makes me feel like, well, I need to do something because, wait a minute, I'm not God. God is still God. What's most important to know and understand or to believe and obey? And that's a, that's a powerful question. When, when people say, well, I want to know just what, I, I, I would like to know what God's doing with this. Well, praise the Lord. And I used to say the song, old song, we'll understand it better by and by. I thought meant that when I got there, I'd go through all my questions. And I'm realizing now that when I get there, I'm not going to have any questions. Huh? I'm going to say, it's all good, Lord. We made it. The only question I might have is, where did you find the oyster that made this pearl? How pure did you have to get gold that it was transparent? If my mind is full with, I want to know, I want to understand, and that's why it becomes important, you know, and, and I understand it's fine for study other things and listen and try to have other ideas, but if, if it's more about know and understand or is it more about believe and obey? I need, I know what the words, I just want the word. I want the why word if I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I want the word a part of my life. That's, I, sure, I realize and, and I'm, I encourage you, if you go to the doctor, for, ask questions, understand what your diagnosis is, ask all of that. But when you get through with all of that, say, but you know what? I know who the great physician is. I want to hear what you have to say, doc, but I also want you to know that I've still got one more consultation. Yeah. And I, he is just able. If he can make people walk through a fiery furnace, if he can roll back water, he can open the blinded eyes, if he can raise, get raised from the dead, I'm serving a God that can do anything. And I just still believe it. Sure, Doc. That's fine. You can treat me. You can work on me. But I still know where my source is. Where my help is. My help comes from the Lord. And, you know, I feel attacked. Is it, is it personal or is it spiritual? 
And I mean, you know, if somebody has something personally to say, Pastor, we don't, we didn't like your whatever it is. I try to work on that. But you know, if it's getting me down and it's spiritual, the only one place I know that can deal with that, and that is getting back into the presence of God, because it's spiritual. <clears throat> so this is why Paul told the church in. Thessalonica, he said, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. Now that's two powerful Greek words there. Beseech, beg, and, and basically command. So when, when, you're, when a writer writes, I beseech you and exhort you, and then they put the name, the Lord Jesus, that's, I'm giving you a heavy duty word here. That as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. What is the will of God? For all of us, what is the will of God? Your sanctification. He's wanting to clean us up. Say, well, I don't like it. I want to be perfect. I know, you know, and sometimes folks want, you know, you need to get them and you need to get them and you, need to get, and, and you didn't preach about that. And if you would preach about this, because as long as I know that you're doing that, I'm not, you're not hitting me. Huh? All of them need it. And I get that. I like that too. I mean, you know, if you're getting on the grandchildren and it's only one out of two, the other one's just loving it. This is awesome. Go for it. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a few things she's been doing as well. Huh? Y'all never experienced something similar to that? By the way, now that you're in the correction mode, let me help you out here. But oh, don't turn it on them. Huh? You know how it, it's like if I treated you the way you're wanting me to treat them. Anyway, Paul told the church in Thessalonica, he said, the will of God is your sanctification. And then he goes into some specifics. You abstain from fornication. That's all kind of sexual sins. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor not in the lust of concupiscence as other Gentiles which knew not God don't go and defraud any brother in any manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such we also have forewarned you and testified for God hath not called us to uncleanness but unto holiness so Paul was trying to explain to these Christians that were in the church in Thessalonica that there is some disciplines that are going to have to take place in the body. And he specifically talked about concupiscence and the lust of the flesh and basically the uh, that, that this don't and fornication and, and all of that. And then he says you know, don't defraud somebody. That's how you deal with them in business and don't cheat people and then unto uncleanness and holiness and we know what the Bible says. He also told the Corinthian church, what? Don't you know? He asked it first in a question. Know you not that your body is what? The temple of the Holy Ghost. And you are not your own. And you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. It's not enough to just say, well, 
you know, I come on Sunday morning, then I can live and do everything I want. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost will begin to deal with you. You either have to put it in a small box and ignore it. And say, well, at least I'm not as bad as some. Huh? But if you start letting the Holy Ghost flow, and I mean this very seriously, and I, I'm not talking about those that are saints that are, can't come and can't have to watch online, but if you can't make it but to one service a week, and if you never pick up the Bible, you never pray, you never talk to the Lord, you never seek the Lord from one Sunday to the next, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Ghost is chomping at the bits to get at you. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I will see it. You will see it. You will know it. It'll be week after week after week before I come to the altar, before I really pray through, before I have a good soul washing. If I'm not... Huh? And it's great. I can be a member of the church and I can support and do all that, but that's not all that the Holy Ghost is wanting to do. It's wanting to cleanse us. To wash us. And if I don't, you know. I know there was a time when Saturday night, mom got out the wash tub and everybody took a bath. And the last one that got in the water, you know, didn't have to have much soap because the water was already pretty sudded up. But those days have been long, long gone. Hopefully you take a bath close to once a day now. If not every day, maybe, you know, two or three times a week with fresh water. So, huh? And if my spirit man is out in this world and gets dirty as much as it does and I don't bother to turn the water on raise my hands and say Lord just Wash me for a few moments. Let your spirit flow. I need a washing in my mind, in my heart, in my emotions. If I don't let that river that's supposed to flow out of your belly shall flow. <clears throat> yes, praise God. Good to be here. Good to see you. I don't know what kind of bath that is. We used to have a term called spit bath. I don't know if y'all ever had one of those. But you know what a spit bath was? It didn't replace a real bath. It was when you'd had too much chocolate ice cream before church and mom caught you I don't know how she knew. Couldn't have been the brown stains around my lips. And then, you know, grab the Kleenex and... <laughs> huh? I don't even know if some people get a spit bath in the Holy Ghost. And you wonder, Lord, help us all. How filthy should I get before I realize I just need to worship and praise and magnify. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's why Paul would say, I, I beat my body, I keep my body, I bring it under subjection. Why? I, I realize that I, I can, 
be a castaway. I, I'm going to just, maybe you all just love reading the Bible and love getting up in the morning 10 minutes early and reading the Word and you just love turning on the music and you love having a fast day. In fact, I could take two or three fast days. You love coming to early morning prayer and man, just roll out. That's great, Pastor. Let's, man, I love it. Well, I say that in the Holy Ghost, but my flesh, a lot of mornings, doesn't love it. Huh? I'm, my flesh doesn't like. And I'm not advocating <clears throat> trying to be extreme because of... Uh, uh, our society nor the fleshly lust of appearance and beauty but the discipline my body you know I realize how much time attention do I give my body and and I you know I, I I don't even know where you would go to find out how many billions of dollars Americans spend Americans not even Europeans or anybody else spend on beauty treatments and cosmetic surgeries and all the body and you say well that's disciplining the body I'm going to fast and not eat and and the only thing I can say is you know I, I, I understand I, if it's work out hey if you're going to work out 10 minutes make sure you find time to read the word 10 minutes huh you say, well, I go to the gym and I pay an extra $29 a month to go to the gym. And I work out for an hour a day, give some time to God a day. Discipline the body, discipline for God as well. And, and I realize, I, I know I'm not, you know, bodily exercise. And, and godliness, it profiteth little. And so, you know, you say, and we're, you know, I'm overweight, and I, I, I'm not, I guess, you know, I like to say pleasingly plump or chunky, but it's just fat. And the Bible talks about, you know, a guy in the Old Testament was fat, and I, I realize that. And I'm not advocating that you go out and go on a crash diet but at some point godliness is not ignoring any of the disciplines you know and yet I have I have been guilty and maybe you've never done this oh God take away my appetite and I go buy Cheetos I want God to just do it And I bring that temptation to the pantry. Then before long, I brought it into the office. And then I bring, you know, well, let me just open and smell them. <laughs> Brother Coey, he was being a blessing to me. He brought me Cheeto flavored mac and cheese. He found some place. I'm like, you can't tip me with this stuff. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, well, I'm a foodie. I like the flavor. I like, I get it. I, there, I struggle. And I'm not saying, oh, well, you're, I'm going to hell. You're going to hell. But at some point, the Lord wants us all to discipline the body. And that means sometimes going, Sorry, no, I can't eat that. No, I don't need that second piece of pie. Huh? No, I don't want that. You say, well, I... All this other stuff, I agree, that's more important than probably my Cheeto addiction. But... I mean, all the sexual stuff and all that that's that's worse we we so we justify it well that's bad this is not as bad huh see what happens oh lord it's getting quiet even on my wednesday night crowd 
Y'all are supposed to be shouting. <laughs> I don't know if we can get another one done. The disciplines of place. <laughs> we'll start this one anyway. The discipline of place. That was discipline of the body. Discipline of place is... First Peter, the second chapter, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it's to a king or supreme or governors or those that are sent for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the mean forward, for this is thankworthy. For if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongly, what glory is it when you're buffeted for your faults? You should take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, that is acceptable with God. What Simon Peter was saying is, you've got to be disciplined to place. If somebody has a position of authority, if somebody has a position of, of honor, whether they're elected, whether you voted for them or not, whether you like what they say or not, be careful what you say and how you act and what you do. It's horrible that anybody would carry a sign, Blue Lives Murder. And I mean that. I'm not saying all cops are perfect. I'm not saying all anybody's perfect. But what I'm telling you is you should respect the authority that was given them. Honor is to fix value or worth. It's somehow, you know, and I understand there's a different look between being in authority and under authority. And it looks different when it's in versus it's under. In other words, if I'm in authority to honor somebody, what does that mean? How do you treat somebody? If you're in authority, you should treat them with kindness and respect. If you're the boss, discipline the body, discipline the mind, discipline the place. We have a lot of folks treating people with disrespect, attacking verbally and mentally and angrily. Now, I, it, it's the chaos, the sadness of where we are in our society. This is why we have to have a bathing in the spirit. Because it, I, I don't, you, you would have to be absolutely tone deaf not to pick up on the spirits that are out there. You, you have to be blind, deaf, dumb. You have to not to begin to feel some of that same stuff. And yet, we have a chance to get washed and cleansed. What a privilege it is. This is why we have to bring a blessing to people. This is why we have to invite them, encourage them to log on. We have something that will all of a sudden begin to be a balm in Gilead. A healing to what's going on. Let's just take a moment, raise our hands, love him. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings to us. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your presence.